stop there. You would continue. Now let's go from the macro to the micro view of the universe. Let's go from relativity to quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics, by the way, means literally, quantum means a, a bit or a measure. And mechanics means motion. So it's literally the study of little bits of the universe. Let's go to the micro view. It is important to understand that we are now dealing with a whole different realm of existence. The subatomic level of viewing the universe. Most of you, when you went through school, your teachers said this, boys and girls, the smallest, little, tiniest freckle of existence is the atom. That's the smallest thing there is. Everything's made up of atoms. Well, we've gone way smaller than atoms now in our investigations. That's part of the reasons for these, for these uh, uh, particle accelerators that are trying to be built, because they crash atoms into one another, and they see what, what comes out, what results. As a matter of fact, we are so small in the universe right now that if, the, if an atom were the, the size of a 14-story building, the nucleus of that atom would be approximately the size of a grain of salt. That's how much smaller a nucleus is than, than the entire atom itself. The, the electrons around that nucleus would be approximately the size of the, of the bits of dust you see floating in the air when the sunlight comes in. Well, we are thousands, millions of times smaller than that. As a matter of fact, we're down to studying a level of existence so small in the universe that it really can't be termed matter. These bits, these quarks, these particles can't be termed matter at all. They're, they're called, better called tendencies or, or, or uh, 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 strings of energy. Now, here's the key to this. What they're discovering is this is... They are organic in nature. They don't have steady patterns. As a matter of fact, they're random. But they're not truly random because their course changes and their pattern changes whenever they are observed. Now st stick with me here. I'm coming to something. <laughs> These are organic in nature in that they can process information and respond and they are responsive now if you were a god who not only wanted to communicate your ability for consistency and sovereignty but you also wanted to make a universe that communicated that universe's ability to respond to your vision at any given moment, on the smallest levels of the universe, if you wanted to make a universe that noted and was moved by observation, not only by you, but by your people, by the people you had made, how would you do that? You would make the tiniest bits responsive. Do you know that when the Bible says, about Jesus. Who is this that even the wind obeys him? Who, if, 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 if the voices were silence, the rocks would cry out. Who is this Jesus who, it looks like somebody's blind, but all of a sudden when Jesus sees that he can see and says you can see, he sees. 
And it seems to contradict those laws of the universe. Why? Because God from the very beginning made a responsive universe. You see, the study of the universe reveals the character of God and how he made it in order to reveal his character and the responsiveness to our prayers and our influence. All of this is to say that the universe is not objective. It is not just, just logical and not just random. It, there's a person connected. And what, our education was made so that we could connect to that person and so that we could use those facts in his service for the love of other people. Think of this for a moment. Think of why Jesus said, in John 15, 15, you know what? I'm not going to call you servants anymore. Because servants don't know what the master's doing. But I came down here to tell you what the father was doing. And so therefore, because you have this knowledge, I'm going to call you friends. Why did Jesus acquaint knowledge with intimacy? Why does it say, as Vernon read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, verses 2 and 3, after it said in Colossians 1, that in verse 16, all things have been created by him and for him. And in him all things hold together. And then Paul writes this, that their hearts may be encouraged, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love. What does knowledge have to do with love? And attaining to all the wealth that comes with the full assurance of understanding and result in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is personal. Education is not, true education is not just about mounting up factoids and accumulating little bits of information. It was never meant to be that way. Think of how you're constructed. Some of you, there are very few of you who just love to learn stuff just to learn stuff. And even when you do learn stuff to learn stuff, you really get a charge out of when you can tell somebody what you know. The rest of us got to have some sort of meaning got to have some sort of a reason for this or we're just not very excited about knowledge. How many of you can remember the first, your, your first grade teacher? How many of you can remember your first grade teacher? All right. How, how many of you can remember your first day going to school? Okay, I can too. And let me tell you something. I wasn't real hot about it. I was not real excited about it. And let me tell you why. In the first place, uh, I had this perfect sister who had gone before I got there. And I knew I could never meet up to her. I mean, she was this wonderful, compliant. I mean, she's still perfect. She's still perfect. And I'm still a boogerhead, like I always was. <laughs> and so I knew a comparison would be made, and I knew I was riding into a trap. I knew it. In the second place, I didn't need much very, educa very much education. I was going to be a cowboy. You don't need a lot of... <laughs> You just don't need a lot. <laughs> but in the third place, to tell you the truth, I didn't like riding away from my mom. 
I didn't like this stuff, you know. I miss my mom. And I'm going to school, not liking this, get into the first grade room, and I just got an attitude. And I don't know any kids there, and I don't want to learn this stuff. And I'm looking around, and all of a sudden, I saw my first grade teacher. She was gorgeous. <laughs> she was drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, blonde, flowing hair, going, going across the room. And I was doing this. And, I, and all of a sudden, I was very interested in school. I was very interested in knowledge. I mean, I had wanted to be a cowboy up until that moment. Now I wanted to be a PhD in something, anything. Why? Because, now you gotta figure, you gotta be in a first grader's mind. I was gonna marry the woman. First graders don't think you're too young. You haven't even got a job yet. First grade, I'm marrying a woman. I'm, she's single, I'm single, I'm marrying a woman. And how do you get close? to someone who knows way more than you do. You learn. I was interested in knowledge because it would bring me closer to Miss Bond. <laughs> you know what? We need to have the same attitude about our Lord. We love our Lord. And therefore, we want to know as much as we can about that omniscient God, that all-wise, all-knowing God. Because the more we know about how he made the universe, the more we see him in the universe, the closer we'll become. That's why God gives us this great adventure of learning and education. It's not just so that we can know more and be more and more disconnected. How many people do you know, the more facts they learn, the more lost they get? The more lost they get. Why? Because they haven't started from the place that a God loves you and even though your sin has separated you from Him and disconnected your knowledge from His purpose for your life, He still has a purpose. He still loves you. And the more you know, the more you're going to find out what that purpose is. And the more you're going to be able to depend upon Him day by day. Look with me, James chapter 1 verse 5. Look at what it says here. Because knowledge is not just about coming close to the Lord and His purpose for your life. Knowledge is about an ongoing process of having an excuse to seek God for wisdom. Wisdom, that big picture. It says in James 1.5, it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know what the world needs. You know what all education needs, and I don't care if it's public school or private school or Christian school or home school. I don't care if it is post-school or preschool. All education needs to start from this. I can go to God and seek wisdom and find out why the world is as it is. I can go to God and say to him every step of the way, God, what are you trying to teach me here? I know you're in this someplace. 
I know you're not disconnected from this. What are you trying to teach me here? And if you ask that with sincerity of heart, he's going to give you an answer. He's going to give you an answer. I heard a story about a father. I can relate to this. father who had sent his son off to college and was paying for it and was <clears throat> trying to figure out if his money was being well spent. That was a good uh, investment. And so the first year, his son comes back for the summer and he sets his son down and he said, Son, just have one question for you. Do you know more now than you did when you went? And the son responded like this. Oh, I know way more than when I went. And the father smiled and said, that's money well spent. Sends him off the second year. And the son comes back for the summer and he does the same thing. Sits him down and he looks at him and he says, son, just have one question for you. Do you know more now than when you went? The son looks at him and says, dad, you know, I've got to be honest with you. I know a lot less than I thought I knew. And the father smiled and said, that's money well spent. Third year, he sends him off. And when the son returns for the summer, they go through the same routine. He sits him down and he looks in his face and he says, son, do you know more now than when you went? And the son looks at him and says, Dad, I've come to know, I hardly know anything. But I am learning where to look for the answers. And his father smiled and said, that's money well spent. Friends, this is where to look for the answers. This is where to look for the answers. When you come to that knowledge, when you come to not expect to know anything, but to know the source of all wisdom, then you've gotten a full education. Because the more knowledge we get, the more it will be up to God to interpret that for us. John Marks Templeton has this quote in his book, Looking Ahead the Next 40 Years. He says this, with the glut of information that we have, the balance of power in this world is going to shift. It's going to shift from those who were able to supply us with the information to those who can analyze the data and infer superior insights. Listen to that again. The balance of power is going to shift from those who could supply the information to those who can analyze the data and supply, I'm sorry, and infer superior insights. In other words, the power is not going to come from those who know the most. It's going to come from those who can interpret it the best. And how can we do that? How can we remain having that big picture view? Because the transcendent one who made the universe, who has a purpose for every event, is our Father. And He wants to teach us every place we go. And so we start looking in every little inkling. And we, and we, and we keep alert to be obedient to what might be of him, because obedience 
is part of knowledge also. Otherwise, it's just information. Let me tell you one more story, and then I'll quit. Uh, there was a, a worker of origami. Origami is, uh, as you well know, the, the art, Japanese art of paper folding, folding it into paper designs. And he was a teacher in an institute, and uh, somebody asked him to go to a mall in order to recruit for the school and, and display uh, his works and uh, to make some, make some figures and hand them out to people. So he agreed to do that, and he, made, he decided to make uh, cranes. Cranes is, is an ancient symbol of peace. And so he started folding all these cranes, and he kept getting this voice in his head that said, make a gold one, make a, make a crane out of gold foil. And he didn't want to do that because gold, is, gold foil is hard to work with. But it wouldn't go away. And so he started, you know, questioning the voice. Well, who am I going to give it to? The voice said, you'll know. Just make it. So he leafs through all of his papers. He finally comes up with some gold. He had a, an assortment there. He kind of finally comes up with some gold foil paper. And he makes a gold crane. Next day he goes to the mall and he's talking to everybody. He's at the booth. You know, of course, everybody's fascinated. They're, they're standing there watching him and... About in the middle of the day, he just looks up, and there's this older lady just watching him, kind of a blank stare. And the voice inside said, give it to her. So he reaches back and leafs through all of these paper cranes, and he pulls out that gold crane, and he hands it to her, and he says, here, you're supposed to have this for some reason. And tears just started coming down her cheeks. He said, what's going on? She said, three weeks ago, my husband died. And I have not been out of the house since then. But today is our golden wedding anniversary. And I didn't think I could stand it in the house. This means to me that God is looking after me and caring for me. Every detail of this world, every gift, every talent can be an expression of God. Look for Him. Pray with me. God, thank You for this wonderful world that You have made to reveal Your character, to reveal our opportunities to get close to You, to serve You, and to love others as You have loved us. Oh, God, give us spiritual insight. Help us not look just to the seen, but to the unseen, to the great deep truths of this world. And help us to tell as many people as we can, this is not about facts. It is not about information. Education is about you. We pray this in your name.
before you go today, let me remind you, we've got a team of folks who will be down here on the right side of the sanctuary, right down here in the corner praying, and they would love to pray with you if you have any need in your life this morning, especially if you have never come to the greatest knowledge of all that you need, and that is the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to pray with someone about that, these folks would love to do that with you before you leave this morning or any other need you have in your life this morning. We close with this benediction, which is one of the great biblical psalms not found in the book of Psalms. It's Daniel's song of praise to God from Daniel chapter 2. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and opposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light, light dwells with him. I praise and thank you, O God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and power. Amen. Go in his peace.